Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Live from the land that's freedom forgot, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. Are you happy, Justice Thomas? <laughs> it really is good to be me. It really is. <laughs> that was Justice Thomas. It was just that guttural laugh. It was his 74th birthday on Thursday. <clears throat> and uh, he uh, waited for his birthday to release the decision, New York State Rifle and Pistol versus Bruin. Quick synopsis. First thing that happens is... Uh, I'm driving home from the hospital. I did pre-emission testing for my knee, and I get a phone call from Henry Monteferrant to tell me that the Bruin decision came out 6-3 in our favor. Sandy, I, after I thanked Henry for calling me, I had to pull over, and I had to read the 135-page uh, write-up on my iPhone in the horizontal position, you know, <laughs> the, the phone in, the in, 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 yeah, on the side of the road. And then the first thing I did was I text Dan Schmutter. I'm like, are you happy, extremely happy, or very happy? And he texted me back, very happy. So it's a Friday. We're taping the show. You're listening to this on a Sunday. Uh, we, we held the show because Governor Murphy did a press conference today. So without further ado, Second Amendment attorney and overall att- attorney extraordinaire from Hart- Hartman Winnicky in Ridgewood, Dan Schmutter, let's go, baby. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. By the way, Anthony is very unusual, but I have to publicly correct you. But okay, sorry. My answer to you oh. was extremely happy. Oh, I'm sorry. Extremely happy. Sorry about that. Yes, I'll take it all day. <laughs> so, Dan, I know it's soon. You've you've only had it's only about thirty hours to digest this, and now we had a press conference, and we're waiting for a lot, but. Tell us what you feel, because you were on the show a few weeks ago, and you were looking for a certain way for the majority opinion and a certain amount of justices and a certain wording and a certain level of scrutiny. Can you please share with all of us where we stand, sir? Thursday was a very good day. Um, <laughs> I will tell you, and I, I've mentioned this to people in just basic private conversations over the last 24 hours, um, the decision reads better than I could have imagined. Um, What's really, really most interesting about it, and this is, I think, very important, because obviously the fact that it it, uh, uh, confirms a constitutional right to carry is tremendously important, and we've been waiting for this for a very long time, Um, and folks are extremely happy about it. Um, But uh, as I mentioned on the previous show, one of the other things that we were really looking for is what the impact of uh, this decision could be on the Second Amendment broadly and on other kinds of issues uh, within the Second Amendment. And what I find most interesting about Justice Thomas's opinion that he wrote is this is a guy who has been, very paying, been paying very close attention to what's been happening for the last 12 years since McDonald. Um, what he appears to have done here, and you have to read it in great detail, but but it, you know it's it's fifty some odd pages. But what he does here, in addition to laying out the case 
for a constitutional right to publicly carry handguns for self-defense is he also makes a valiant attempt to button up all the different scenarios that he could possibly think of where the lower courts and legislatures could try to circumvent or limit or interfere with the impact of this decision. Um, we all remember what has happened over the last 12 years um, with the lower courts essentially ignoring or circumventing or giving short shrift to the importance of Heller and McDonald in establishing uh, or confirming a robust uh, Second Amendment right to keep bare arms. It's, it's, you know, as, as a lawyer who does this all day, every day, uh, it is very frustrating to go to court and to see courts disregarding uh, the, the clear message from Heller and McDonald. Um, and in fact, you know, what we, uh, on behalf of uh, ANGRPC, I wrote an amicus curiae brief, a friend of the court brief in the Bruin case. Um, and one of the important points that we tried to make in our brief to the Supreme Court um, is the idea that the lower courts have really given uh, have really given states like New Jersey license to be utterly abusive of the Second Amendment right. And so, when you read through um, uh, Bruin, and I encourage people to do it, it's long, um, like Heller and like McDonald, it's long, but it is very interesting to see how Thomas tries to anticipate as many ways as he could possibly think of how the lower courts might be abusive of the decision. And uh, uh, he also addresses, interestingly, he also tries to address how legislatures might be abusive. There is a a really great footnote that he drops, footnote nine, in which is ostensibly about right uh, about um, shall issue permitting schemes uh, that that there are many of around the country. But what it's really about, it, you know, because it, it it nominally reads about you know you know we're 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 not here to uh, to to to, to suggest that you can't have a permitting process um, and you know there are 43 states many of whom have uh, permitting uh, objective standards for permits what he's really saying in footnote 9 as I read it is if you try to establish protectual ways to um, interfere with people's ability to obtain permits. And the two examples he gives are exorbitant fees and long uh, timeframes. Uh, you know, and of course, in New Jersey, we know all about long timeframes. Um, and we've seen suggestions uh, and, and proposals to increase fees. What he's basically saying is um, those will be constitutionally suspect. And so and so he's he's really trying to avoid what happened with Heller and McDonald um, uh, to prevent uh, the wholesale disregard and circumvention of the Supreme Court's clear mandate. So uh, it, it's it, it, that's really my favorite aspect of the decision is how he does that. It's it's amazing. I, I'm go, I'm reading the decision and I'm going and every page there's more and more of that going on. He anticipates all sorts of potential mischief. 
um, and try to address it in a way that's crisp, clear, and comprehensive. It's a very impressive uh, work of uh, legal writing. Um, it's it's interesting. Even Alito wrote uh, a great rebuttal to the three liberal justices as well, because they were so far fetched in in their writings about you know mass shootings and suicides and stuff, where it had nothing to do with this court case. Am I correct? Yeah, you know, Alito points out, you know, a very important aspect of the whole conversation, which is, you know, when when you when when your your dissenting opinion starts out with mass shootings, crime, death, you know, things like that, you know that they're not interested in talking about the Constitution, right? I mean, nobody claims that there isn't violent crime out there. It, this is about the Constitution and the rights that we have as individuals. Um, you can talk all you want about, um, you know, uh, uh, these kinds of issues, issues of crime, issues of violence, whatever, but, you know, the, the idea that you can use unconstitutional means to try to address those, the idea that you can try to address societal problems and issues by taking away people's fundamental rights is absurd. And so when you open up a, dis, a, a, a dissenting opinion that way, you, you're, you've already made it clear that you're not interested in talking about the Constitution. Um, and that's a problem when mm. it's a decision of a court, especially the Supreme Court. And Alito calls him out on that. Um, and Alito also points out that none of the things... None of the problems that they identify, none of none of the uh, cr aspects of violent crime that the dissenting opinion highlights have anything to do with the law at issue. Alito very correctly says, how does New York's requirement to show need to obtain a carry permit, how does that have anything to do with uh, the, the types of crime that you're complaining about? Um, and it doesn't. And, and, and Breyer doesn't ever attempt to connect those dots. It's really just, you know, it's look at all these dead children, therefore constitution. I mean, it's really not, it's, it's, it's a complete non sequitur. And it's an embarrassment, you know, when, when uh, courts and judges try to reason that way, because it's not any kind of appropriate reasoning, it 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 it's an, it does a a disservice to the Constitution and law, and it does a disservice to the judiciary. It's it's awful to read opinions like that, um, and unfortunately, with hot button issues like this, we see that way too often, um, and it's very distressing to to see courts and judges speak and write in that way. It's like he's like, just go retire already. Uh, that's how I feel. Now, now let me ask you something, Dan. You, Thomas obviously did us a solid. How do you feel this this affects us now in, in New Jersey? We saw the press conference. Murphy is mad angry. Callahan looked very upset, the superintendent of state police. And the uh, acting AG is doing his best to maintain his composure. But they're already going to start carving out sensitive places. They're probably going to uh, have an insurance requirement. But, I mean, like Scott had talked about this weeks ago, do we just follow the procedure and go through the qualification process and submit now? Everybody's asking that. So so it's, it's a great question. Um, I, I saw the press conference as well. Um, 
And, you know, one of the things that you've heard me talk about multiple times leading up to this decision and something that I'm still very much interested in is how uh, New Jersey is going to actually, the nuts and bolts of how they're going to implement the impact of the decision. It's pretty clear uh, from the press conference and even even leading up to the press conference, there was a, a press release yesterday by the attorney general. There was uh, some comments in the, in the media by the attorney general, but, but certainly from the press conference, it's clear that they understand that justifiable need cannot can no longer be part of the permitting process. But the question is, what are the nuts and bolts of that? And they were unclear on that. Um, they, they talked about, the Attorney General talked about uh, issuing a directive, um, but the, the, the context of his comments, it, it appeared to be a directive more focused on um, what law enforcement should do going forward regarding their agenda to deal with their 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 gun control priorities in w in the wake of Bruin, rather than how are we going to implement the mandate of Bruin, and so until we know exactly what that's going to look like, I caution people about filing applications. I mean, look, people can do what they want, but because we don't know exactly how this is going to play out, you know, logistically, it's not clear what people should do at this point. I mean, as a practical matter, the, the directive is not out yet. So, of course, I want to see what the directive says. Because the directive might say, you know, you, you know, when they're doing press conferences, they speak in generalities. Um, and, you know, I mean, we, we saw this, you know, with all the COVID press conferences and all the COVID executive orders. The governor would get on and say, you know, today I'm signing an executive order that does X, Y, and Z. And then when you read it, it's, you know, 10 pages long with a great deal of detail. And, he, you know, leaves out 95% of what's actually happening. So I mm. want to see the directive from the AG. I want to see what they actually, whether it specifically uh, indicates how they intend to implement this. Because don't forget, the Attorney General doesn't uh, govern the court system. And because, as people know, the permit to carry process directly involves the court system. And so um, I want to see how it reads and who it's directed to and what they're saying. You know, I want to, the attorney general might simply instruct law enforcement on how to conduct themselves. So, for example, it might instruct police chiefs on what to do when dealing with uh, uh, carry permit applications. Or it might specifically announce the state of New Jersey's position on what the law is, So, so which, which might have a more direct impact on how the judiciary applies the law in carry permit applications. So, you know, um, it, it, he described it as directive, not an opinion, not a guidance. You know, there's three different things that the Attorney General um, says publicly, and they all operate differently. So until we see exactly what the nuts and bolts are, it is difficult to, to advise people on exactly how they should go about this. Um, it, it is pretty clear that they're not going to, that, that they're, that they are, they recognize the justifiable need is no longer valid, but but how that's going to what the hell that's going to look like is still unclear. You know, it's interesting. They they said that that they know you know justifiable need clause is gone because we're getting hammered. Everybody wants to figure out like I, they want to jump on it. You know, um, so I, I tell everybody to just wait. Maybe we'll know in another week. I mean, how do you feel? He when's he going to issue this directive? You think? I mean, I, I would expect it today, but who knows? You know, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, in, when, when COVID was at its height and the governor was doing da daily, uh, daily press conferences and issuing executive orders, you know, regularly, what would typically happen is he would describe it in the press conference and then we'd see it up on the web 
10 minutes later, an hour later, an hour and a half later, you know, so, so sure. that was a very active process. I don't know what the attorney general intends here. You know, I'm hitting refresh on the AG directives page. Uh, yeah. And uh, nothing's coming up. So who knows? Oh, wait. Yeah, no, nothing's coming up. And so, and so uh-huh. look, who knows? I don't know how quickly they intend to release it. Um, but, you know, I mean, they, they, they ought to do something soon because, you know, we, we've got a lawsuit in the courts right now. Um, I assume they're going to do, do it in a way that uh, we, we, we don't have to litigate with them, I hope. But the longer they take, the harder it is for us to kind of sit back and wait because, you know, th- this ruling was not stayed. There was no time frame uh, uh, provided for this ruling. It's effective immediately. And so they know that as of yesterday, they should not be uh, enforcing the requirement for justifiable needs, so they kind of have to do something about that. So hopefully, we'll see something. You know, right away. <clears throat> what 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 excuse could they use now to re- to reject to reject it? If I pass all the other criteria, and there's no more justifiable need, do you think they're going to invent another way to deny people? Or Thomas covered it all in in his uh, writings. Well, those are not mutually exclusive, right? I mean, Thomas may have covered it. Doesn't mean they're not going to try it. I mean, you saw the laundry list um, uh, that the governor threw out uh, for other ways to interfere with the right to carry. Um, There was a discussion of liability insurance. There was a discussion of sensitive places. Um, One thing they're doing, which I think is particularly vulnerable to constitutional challenge under Bruin, is this idea that they can make uh, all private property within the state by default, places where carry is prohibited, subject to the ability of a private property owner to affirmatively allow carry. So every private property is is, is off limits until the private property owner affirmatively uh, allows carry. I think that's unconstitutional under Bruin, um, and I think that's uh, you know very vulnerable to a challenge. Um, it's it's an unusual approach, but you know d- don't forget, and this is why the way Thomas wrote. The opinion is um, is very important, and, and and that's why I like the way he wrote it so much. He's very clear that the linchpin to the whole thing is the ability of people to engage in uh, self-defense, and so uh, th- there are two key aspects of how you have to evaluate um, gun laws going forward. Number one, um, its impact on Lawful self-defense is a critical aspect of the thought process. But number two, the, the whether there is a historical uh, uh, precedent or historical support for the kind of restriction being implemented uh, is essential. And if, a, if uh, an activity that a person wants to engage in is falls within the text of the Second Amendment, it is presumptively protected until the state can show, and it is the state's burden to do so, can show that it has a connection to the history and text of the right to keep and bear arms. And so, you know, I think the, the, the kinds of proposals, this wish list that the governor threw out is very vulnerable. Um, and, you know, uh, if these things pass, I think we're going to be pretty busy in the courts because I think the, the, the way the court handed down this decision, it was intentionally designed to, uh, to empower 
litigants to vindicate the right that is there in the Constitution. You know, Heller and MacDonald didn't do that in a robust way. As we saw over the last 12 years, uh, there were many ways. It was relatively easy for courts to disregard the Second Amendment and kind of just say, okay, um, we're going to pigeonhole, we're going we're to narrowly uh, um, define what the right to keep and bear arms, arms is, and we're going to put it in that little corner over there. This doesn't fall within <laughs> that. This is perfectly fine. I think it's much, much harder, vastly harder to do that under the Bruin decision. Because, and I think that was intentionally, uh, you know, intentionally so. I think, I think that Thomas especially, but I think uh, a number of them, uh, and because they've they've all written about this, but a number of them <coughs> are, have really been tired of the way the lower courts have been dealing with this stuff. We saw. I mean, obviously Thomas has written extensively since. Uh, since uh, McDonald on uh, various uh, uh, petitions with the Supreme Court that have been denied review, um, including in our Rogers case uh, a couple years ago, um, but also uh, Justice Kavanaugh, uh, Justice Alito uh, have all written about the the abusive way the lower courts have been dealing with the Second Amendment. So, so this this case was this decision was written to I believe to empower plaintiffs to to vindicate these rights in a way that's much more robust and much harder, like nothing's impossible, but much harder for lower courts to disregard and do violence to. Uh, and that's very important. And, you know, another 12 years of, of, of uh, the wholesale disregard of the right to keep bear arms is really not not tolerable. It's not not appropriate. I, I don't think we're going to see that. I think I, it doesn't mean we're going to win every case, of course, but I think it's going to be much more difficult for courts to give short shrift to the, to the Second Amendment. Now, what about our other cases? You believe they're going to be remanded back to the lower courts immediately, or so? Uh, the timing of the Bruin decision is interesting, um, uh, and you know because uh, because we've. Uh, uh, it's been such a whirlwind 24 hours. I actually didn't see how many decisions were released yesterday, and I didn't see how many decisions were released today. Uh, today, as you know, the Dobbs decision, the Roe versus, on Roe versus Wade was released, so the two possibly biggest decisions of the term have been released. I don't know if they finished. There were 13 opinions left starting yesterday. Uh, yeah, I don't know we if still have remained in no, we still have Remain in Mexico and a few others haven't. Oh, been okay, released. so that so so probably Monday, I guess. I haven't looked at the court's calendar uh, to see if they if they added if they if Monday is going to be an opinion day. Monday Monday is the last official day on the calendar, as far as at least it was as of yesterday. So maybe they've added an opinion day. Maybe they haven't uh, haven't. Uh, but but we'll see stuff on Monday, presumably, or, or sometime next week. But in any event, so you, um, so what's interesting is that the timing of Bruin uh, allows the court to do something with the pending cases on Monday. So, so, so that the, the listeners understand, on Monday, Mondays are typically the days that the court releases what's called its orders list. Um, and uh, these are orders dealing with pending petitions for certiorari. And as I've explained on past shows, a petition for certiorari is essentially an application to the Supreme Court asking them to hear your case. And the petition can be granted, which means they will hear your case, um, or as is in most petitions, it can be denied, um, meaning they will not hear your case. Uh, however, as we discussed, there are several petitions, Second Amendment petitions, that have been sitting. 
um, our magazine case, Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs versus Brock, <laughs> um, has been sitting for, um, I want to say a year maybe? Um, uh, yeah, about a year. We, uh, so we, 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 we filed our petition last year. We have not heard on it. You know, normally it's granted or denied, you know, uh, but there's been nothing which, which tells us that it was being held pending the Bruin decision. There are now there are also a couple of other petitions uh, that are there now. There's Duncan versus Bonta, which is the California magazine case that came out of the Ninth Circuit. Uh, there's a case called Bianchi, which is a Maryland case out of the Fourth Circuit dealing with Maryland's assault weapon law. Um, there is Young versus Hawaii, which is uh, a, also a case out of the Ninth Circuit dealing with Hawaii's carry law which is very much like new jersey's carry law um and i think i think there are uh one or more of the bump stock cases are up there as well um and that and all that is to say that the supreme court has been holding these uh almost certainly pending uh the bruin decision so what might very well happen and we should look for this on monday is because bruin was decided yesterday that gives the court an opportunity to dispose of these petitions on monday when they release the order list at 9 30. Um, so what we would like to see, I mean, obviously, ideally, we'd like to see our petition granted. However, Supreme Court doesn't usually do that. They don't usually grant petitions on a similar area of law immediately after deciding uh, a major case in that area of law. They could, but more likely what they're going to do is what I've described uh, on, on, on other shows as do what is called a GVR. That's uh, that's the abbreviation for grant vacate remand and what they basically do is they mm -hmm. grant the petition they immediately vacate that is that is uh, eliminate the decision below and then remand it back to be decided again under the new rules that have been announced in the uh. case that was just decided so there's a very good chance what we will see in the magazine case is a gvr we, we may very well see an order that says something along the lines of we grant the petition we vacate the decision below and we remand for further proceedings consistent with new york state rifle and pistol association versus bruin something like that there's a very good chance we'll see something like that on monday at least i'm hoping we will I, you know i i don't want, certainly don't want to see cert denied that would be a shame because that would mean the magazine case would be dead um uh, so let's let's hope for it's crossing our cross our fingers and hope for that that gvr that that order that says uh, go back and do it again which is essentially what a gvr is um and you know we may see several of those we may see that in duncan we may see that in Bianchi. We may see, we'll probably see that in Young, only because Young is right on point. Young is a carry case. And so it's very likely that they'll say, okay, uh, District of Hawaii, now you gotta, you got you gotta fix this. Uh, so, so now, who, who picked, go ahead. Go ahead. Who, who picks those cases? That if they're going to get remanded down, or they're going to be denied, sir, or you know, denied it, the, the the justices and their clerks, they decide who's going the to justice, pick those cases. The, the, just, the justices decide that the just the, the these cases petitions are heard in conference, and so gotcha. the 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 justices you know, talk about these cases in their conferences, and so um, uh, be, these cases have been conferenced uh, already. That's why they've been sitting there. And they've not; these petitions have not been disposed of yet. And so, um, that that's a it's a good bet that that's we're going we're going to see something like that. It's, look, certainly, look, we certainly could see. Unfortunately, we might see what we saw uh, a couple of years ago 
when there were 10, if you recall, there were 10 uh, petitions being held pending the New York City case, including uh, my Rogers case. And they were all yep. start denied the following week. It was it was very oh, actually a couple of weeks later. Were, that was very disappointing. We were hoping to see something more significant, and they were all start denied. It was devastating. Uh, but but I think but I think one of the, one of the reasons for that is because first of all, the New York City case ended up being dismissed as moot. Uh, so we didn't see any substantive result from that case. Even after all argument, it was briefed, it was argued, and then it went nowhere. And so the court likely said, uh, we're not ready for this right now. And so, you know, we're going to say goodbye to all these cases, which was very frustrating, as you know. But this is different. This is a major substantive ruling. And with because there's, you know, a, a, a new clear uh, uh, legal standard uh, I don't know if the new standard. It's really more of a clarified standard, because it does it does truly um, derive from the analysis in Heller and McDonald, um, but it's much more clear. It's much more detailed, and it's much more emphatic on how courts are supposed to do this stuff. Because we have that in Bruin, we're much more likely to see these GVRs. Uh, it, it, I would expect the court would want to see these various issues. Magazine capacity, assault weapons, uh, uh, and other things like that. I, I would think that the court would want to see these things go back and percolate through the lower courts to see um, how the, what the courts do with them. You know, the, Bruin is brand new. No case has yet been decided under Bruin. So now the court presumably wants to see what the lower courts are going to do with Bruin. And these petitions that are sitting there are great vehicles for that. They're already existing cases. Uh, and they already have records, um, and so you know, in, in the trial courts, and so the court would naturally, very likely, want to see how these cases would be dealt with under the new rules. So, you know, look I, again. I've said this so many times on the show. Uh, I long ago gave up trying to predict what judges and courts are going to do, but it, it would be consistent. It would be a very sensible and consistent. Uh, thing to do with how the court often deals with this kind of stuff, and so it would it would not at all be surprising if that's what they did. And we'll see. Look, we'll see on Monday. So, uh, you know, so Dan, the the state comes out Monday and says we're going to pass private property and everything is sensitive spaces. How long would it be for us to get recourse on something like that? Because you know they're going to try everything, every obstacle possible to end run Thomas's writing. Would it take yeah. us three years to get a ruling on that? Dan, before well, you before you yeah, answer okay. that, uh, we're due for a break, but Anthony, uh, we're not going okay. to do any commercial breaks this time. We're just going to do uh, our internal commercial breaks. So um, That's fine. Would you That's just do, so do the housekeeping and then we can just come back, Dan, you ponder that for a moment? Yeah, sure. Okay, ponder that, Dan. Are we ready, Sand? Yeah, go ahead. All right, I'm back. I'm loving this show. By the way, don't forget Marty's V Burger, Marty's V Burger.com, 20% off. Mention Gun for Hire, Gun for Hire Radio, or order it online at Marty's V Burger.com and pick it up at Freakin' Vegans in Prospect Park, New Jersey on Freakin' Fridays. John Petrolino's book, Decoding Firearms, is available on Amazon as well as the pro shop here at Gun for Hire. <clears throat> the Gun Lawyer Podcast, exposing the truth about the laws designed to strip you of your freedoms. Evan Knappen, Gun Lawyer. Check him out. Uh, Quarantine Crawl, over 350 Pro 2A businesses. QuarantineCrawl.com. You know who's on that crawl? Dan Schmutter from Hartman Winicki <laughs> in Ridgewood is also on the crawl, fighting for us every day. 
My doctor, Dr. Joseph Sambatero, Optimal Health Wellness NJ. Check him out. Uh, Zen Float Center in Scotch Plains, zenfloatcenter.com. Ask for Sharon Decker. Uh, got a couple of new sponsors. Sandy has Crossroad Kitchen. Where are they located, Sandy? They're located in Columbus, North Carolina, just off of uh, Route 26. And then we got Just Sean's, J U S T S H O N S. Talk with you, Sandy. And Just Sean's is uh, located in Greenville, South Carolina. Nice. Uh, don't forget the gun store is now open at Gun for Hire. We have about 600 guns in stock. We are open 12 to 6, seven days a week. January 5th, we start with our extended hours. It's right inside the range. Enter through the McBride or the Lackawanna entrance. And our newest sponsor, George Tisemberlis from Mortgage Unlimited, a family-owned and operated regional mortgage banker, making loans for more than 35 years. They specialize in FHA, VA, jumbo, and conventional loans. Okay, they handle it all. They're in Garfield on Outwater Lane, and their website is mortgageunlimited.com or George T at mortgageunlimited.com. I want to open with all I ever wanted. All I ever wanted, Sandy, is for Biden, Murphy, Hochschul, Adams, etc. They're unhappy today, but all I ever wanted for me and my family is to have the same level of protection that yep. we pay for them yep. 24-7. Right. That's all, that's all ever I ever for. wanted. Yep, we've all, that's all, all we've been so, ever so, asking for. And I can't thank Dan enough for being on this show. Next week, Scott Bach is going to be on the show. We're going to be talking about the FOP retire cop decision, which was a smack to Murphy. We're going to be talking about the seven gun bills that Murphy is probably going to be signing into law. And we're going to be talking more about the logistics with the Supreme Court ruling post Dan's analysis today. So, Dan, I can't thank you enough for making yourself available. I know you're getting hammered like me. My phone, my emails, everything is blowing up because everybody wants a file. Everybody wants to know what they should do. Is my certificate from when I took a course from Gun for Hire 33 years ago enough to get me the course? You know, the whole bit. And, and we're all trying our best. But the problem is. These people that don't know, you're part of the problem. New York and New yeah. Jersey, you should have been moderately yeah. tuned into this yeah. all along. You should have been listening to the show. You should have been a member of ANGRPC, NRA, CNJFO, NJ2AS, FAS, FPC. And you would know what, what's been going on this entire time. Because you know what? If It's telling me when you're messaging me and you're emailing me, you don't know what's going on. You haven't been a part of the fight. You right. haven't been donating. Absolutely. You haven't been alert or aware and our politicians prey on the low information voters don't be that guy or girl or one of the 84 other genders get your shit together focus listen to gun for hire radio every week join the organizations i just spit out support our sponsors like dan schmutter and everybody else and and let's 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 get the next major win this doesn't happen by accident and it doesn't happen for free and without further ado dan back to you i was discussing about sensitive areas Areas, private property will it take 10 years in a court system well anthony as you know and as your listeners know i've said this, i say this every time um and i know people get tired of hearing it but it's it, it remains true um this is a marathon not a sprint um yesterday mm. was an enormous victory um and as a result of yesterday's decision the tools available for fighting those things uh, have been uh, uh, 
uh, extraordinarily um, improved. Um, and so we're now in a situation where we have very strong legal standards. We have very long, strong procedures uh, to fight those things. But it will take just as much time in the sense that any lawsuit, any lawsuit takes time. Um, it starts in a trial court, um, and uh, in the trial court, you know, it's unclear how long a trial, uh, you know, a trial court takes to to evaluate a suit because it could be fast, because it could be pure legal issues that the court decides just on papers and oral argument, uh, or it could involve evidentiary hearings, discovery, trials, things like that, and that could take a long time. So, so you know, that and that's just the first stage. Then somebody appeals. If we win, they appeal. If they uh, if they win, we appeal, and we go to the appellate courts and the intermediate appellate courts. But Dan, Dan, I, I, so I hate to interrupt, a, but yes, go ahead. But post Bruin, we have a better chance of winning at the lower courts because now we have Thomas's rulings, right? Correct. So, so we have a better Sometimes. chance of winning in the lower courts. We have a better chance of winning in the lower courts because of Bruin, but it doesn't shorten the process. It doesn't relieve us of doing the legwork. We have to do all the same things, um, uh, and so it doesn't make things faster. It just makes things more likely to be uh, to be productive, right? And again, even you know, even if even the trial courts might not be uh, uh, as receptive as we'd like, so then that's what the appellate courts for. Every every step forward, every uh, you know, like Bruin, for example, uh, makes our job uh, gives us greater a greater likelihood of victory. Where that victory happens, when that victory happens, we don't know, but our probability of success goes up with things like the Bruin decision. And, you know, we will have to pick and choose our battles. We, we're going to, you know, look, we haven't, we saw, all we saw today was a press conference. We don't see statutes. Yes. Until we see statutes, um, uh, we don't know what specifically we're fighting and how we're going to fight it. Um, but as you know, and you'll, you've, you've had Scott on many times, um, uh, as you know, uh, you know we are uh, extremely aggressive in uh, fighting these fights. Um, you know that we're not going to give up, and you know that we're going to very carefully evaluate which fights we're going to pick first, uh, which fights maybe are appropriate for later down the road, uh, how many uh, we're going to be fighting at a time. Are we going to bring one case? Are we going to bring multiple cases? Again, we may very well find ourselves right back in court on the magazine case very soon. So so this Good. is a strategy. This is all a matter of deciding uh, the logistics and the strategy uh, of fighting all of these things, they're going to throw a lot at us. They already are, because as you mentioned, hmm. there's all kinds of legislation that's already coming down the pike. Uh, and then the new stuff relating to carry. Look, uh, we're going to deal with all of it uh, as, as appropriate. Um, and, and what Bruin does for us, it gives us much stronger tools. Uh, to work with, uh, and and so we're you know, look, uh, uh, nobody nobody wants to have to uh, slog through all this nonsense, but uh, to the extent that it's necessary, we'll do it. And we've been um, talking about this for how long? Uh, the three of us, Dan. Uh, there's uh, not going to be a there's not going to be a, a simple thing. The, the state of New Jersey is not going to go. Oh well, there's the decision. Let's just roll over. We knew they're going to. We and, and the listeners of the show understand that this is a long, drawn-out thing. I don't. I can't tell you. How, can't tell you how many years we've been talking about this. Uh, you've been on the show saying v virtually the same thing every time. 
This is a long, drawn-out marathon, and they are going to go kicking and screaming. This doesn't happen where you flip a switch, and all of a sudden the laws change, and they go along with it. Right. And, and like we, we talked yeah. about how many, how many decades it took to yeah. get to Brown versus Board of Education. Right, right. right. Um, the Second yeah, Amendment stuff, years. ironically, actually is going faster in, in a sense, you know, which is it doesn't feel like that. But numerically, if you actually look yeah. at the time frames, it really kind of is. Right. right. Um, it, that does, that's no excuse for the last 12 years where the courts have just been abusive to us. Yeah. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, we're making great progress. And we're, we're you know, there's, there's, there's successes, there's failures, there's steps forward, there's steps back. But the one thing we know from yesterday is that uh, this is a, a steady, uh, slow but steady move forward the the cause of the constitutional right to keep mere arms is advancing uh and it is going to continue to advance because you know we're not going to give up this is a victory we're going to have more victories we'll have some 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 uh some uh setbacks but we are going to continue moving this forward this is uh, you know yesterday was a really great day um for the constitution and for uh law-abiding people and uh we're going to continue moving it forward and you know we and hey, many people go ahead dan uh two questions if somebody was denied a carry permit you think they'll be able to reapply and and get it or you know and get get it past the goalpost now uh that's a great question i don't know if you have the answer now but think about it yeah, that's something to think about. You know, it's actually, it's, you know, as as Scott has said, and I've I've said, we've thought about a lot of these issues. Um, what you've identified is actually uh, an interesting legal question, um, dealing with issues of uh, what's called race judicata and collateral estoppel. Um, but you know, one of one of the, one of the good things about the decision is it resets the playing field from the, from a legal perspective, and so ah, we think good. there are a lot of a lot of options available. For us to, for us and and people generally, to uh, to move this forward. Uh, so, uh, without specifically having an answer to that question, there's a lot of op- there are a lot of options on the table. Next question, <laughs> you ready for this? Reciprocity. All right, that's it. People are asking. Well, we have reciprocity. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Let's 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 not worry about reciprocity now. Let's just get Carrie in New Jersey, and we can worry about reciprocity some other time, right? But yeah, obviously we can address that. I hope we get to the point where we can address reciprocity. It, it is. You a, agree? It is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's really very interesting. You know, people. I have to urge and caution people to think about and understand this as an incremental process, right? You got to look at the low hanging fruit versus the pie in the sky stuff, right? So, so we have to recognize that this is baby steps. We get the things that are closest to the last decision, meaning the Bruin has come down Bruin has uh, both uh, 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 confirmed the right to publicly carry, but it has also laid out new, a new, uh, a refined and strengthened uh, set of rules and approaches to deal with Second Amendment cases generally. So you got to look at this and say, okay, we've we, we've reached this point in the struggle. 
what's the next most logical step? What's the next thing that naturally arises from what we've now seen the court doing or the courts doing? What's the next low-hanging piece of fruit? What's the, what's the, the lowest piece of fruit that we're going to try to grab? And so, you know, people... Many times I've seen people say, oh, what about this? What about, you know, X, Y, or Z? And some of these things are way down the road because they're not incrementally related to what we've, what we've already accomplished. There's some really uh, serious future thing. We're still dealing with how carry how Bruin is going to be implemented in New Jersey. We're still, for example, waiting for the AG directive. We're still waiting to see what the courts are going to do and how they're going to, how the process is going to play out. So yeah, of course, reciprocity was a very natural thing to think about. But as you said, we got to think about the, the more, the more narrow stuff first. I, I suspect that um, out of state carry that is you know that's really what reciprocity is about it's about carrying in 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 a state that's not your home state i suspect that um refusing to allow out-of-state people to carry in your state is not going to survive bruin there's there's really no good way (laughs) based upon based upon the way bruin reads there's really no good way to distinguish uh in-state residents versus out-of-state residents but I will tell you one of the ways that states have tried to do it, and this is something that a number of states uh, um, uh, 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 try to argue, is that there are differences in information flow. So, for example, a state says, well, we know an awful lot. We have to do background checks, and we know a lot about our people because we have databases, and we can do the background check. We can't do a background check. Uh, it's hard to do a background check for someone from Wyoming because we don't know you know, we don't have access to their criminal records. We don't have access. So we're not going to allow people from Wyoming to uh, to carry, let's say, in Pennsylvania, for example. Pennsylvania is a good example of, of a state that, that, that is not friendly to out-of-staters particularly. Um, and uh, therefore, we're going to argue, we're going to say, sorry, you have to be a Pennsylvania resident to carry. We're not going to let people in Wyoming carry. That is the That's the argument that has typically been advanced. Um, New York State has a version of that as well, actually. Um, there's a case uh, from years ago, ironically called Bach versus Pataki, um, which advances that uh, uh, no no relation uh, that advances that the, argument that there's a there's an information asymmetry between in-staters and out-of-staters that justifies tre- treating in-staters and out-of-staters differently. But I think ultimately, and again, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know when this litigation uh, on that issue will commence. Um, uh, but I think ultimately that falls under Bruin. But again, that's a different case, and and we have to pick our we have to pick our battles carefully and wisely and strategically. Doing this has to be done very carefully. We have to we we, we you know the, we we run the risk of number one wasting resources, um, number two getting adverse decisions at the wrong time, right? There's no there's no way yep. to avoid adverse decisions. What you want to do is you want to, number one, minimize adverse decisions in courts, right? You want to get as few losses as possible. Uh, there's no way to avoid them, but you want to get as few as possible. And you want them, if you end up with a, a decision of a court that is that is harmful, you want it to be as, uh, you want it to cause as little harm as possible. So you want it to, to do the minimum amount of damage. This is all, um, these are all very important aspects of strategy in this stuff. That's why this effort, that's why it benefits from coordination it benefits from cooperation, and it is harmed by um, 
uh, outlier efforts by people who are not informed about how, how to most effectively engage the process. If people are sort of lone wolfing it, you know, uh, you know, bringing their own lawsuits, you know, without kind of thinking about uh, uh, the, 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 the long-term consequences uh, and, and the long-term strategy, it can be harmful, you know. Uh, it's why we try to discourage people from lone wolfing it, because they're not necessarily uh, tuned into the broader issues and the broader strategies. Um, the, while there are, as you know, and it's one of the things that, you know, we kind of worry about, while there are multiple groups, both locally and nationally, that often litigate things separately and on their own, they're, they're, even when they're not, even when we're not talking to each other, and it's always better if we can talk to each other, but even when we're not talking to each other, there is still uh, a body of knowledge about what the, what the litigation landscape looks like, both locally and nationally, that, that people who do this a lot are t tapped into, right? So even though I may not be talking to uh, my counterpart in another state or my counterpart who is representing a different organization about the, the stuff they're doing, although we try to talk, but, but we can't always, um, I at least know what they're doing and typically can understand why they're doing what they're doing and, 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 and vice versa. They know what we're doing and they understand why we're doing it. And we can each understand what the, what the sensible strategies are which things make sense when, and we can kind of eyeball what's going on out there and try to be part of a of a of a sensible, coherent effort. Um, and and that's that's why you know again, lone wolfing this stuff can be harmful. And you know over the years, why we've encouraged people to try to not do that stuff. You can't stop that though, because us gun yeah. people tend to be independent, and we 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 want to get in the fight, and we we we're not pack mentality like the socialists. That's the problem. It's a double-edged sword with us. It works for us. It works against us. I want to add as we wrap this up. Are we close, Sandy? Yeah, we're about uh, eight minutes out. Okay, I want to talk about this, Dan. Also, for all our listeners out there, take a break for a second. If there, if you see any school, range, organization offering uh, get your permit quick, $39 or whatever, whatever, or they have the secret sauce before the attorney general guidelines come out or something, please keep away. Please just be hypervigilant. Again, I talked about this last week and the week before. All training is good. We advocate training. I own a freaking gun range. I get it. I built my business on training take any classes you want but if anybody's telling you right now that they're offering the class that will guarantee you to get a carry permit yeah. it's a scam i right now the way it looks is like we're going to pretty much shoot the police qualification uh, or the security guard qualification and then get learned in the judicious use of deadly force and you're going to put your application in that's how it looks to me right now but i'm not transmitting that i'm not advertising that i'm not advocating that yet until i hear more from our attorney general and more from our legal eagles out there because i don't want people to have to do it twice i don't want to tell somebody this is what you should do to apply and then a week later tell them no you should do it this way not that way i don't want to i don't want to do that uh so let's all be hyper vigilant of that if it looks too good to be true it probably is the other thing is 
We know we're all getting beat up by our friends and our family about this, what's going on. First thing to tell them, it will not be the Wild West. Forty-three other states have had concealed carry for many, many years. And if Houston, Texas, and Orlando, and Miami haven't been the Wild West, (laughs) then you shouldn't buy into what the media has been trying to tell you it's going to be. It's not going to be that it shows that a small percentage of people get a carry permit and a large percentage do not renew their carry permit comes time for renewal in all 43 states so there's going to be a a big rush in the beginning have the carry permit don't carry correct there's going to be a whole attrition rate and everything that comes through with this so we are not going to be the wild west and uh what I what I would say to you now is triple check your gun is empty or if you want it to be loaded and get used to carrying it around your house for the next couple of weeks until your carry permit comes in, God willing, in a few weeks. Because if you remember, Clint Smith said yep. carrying a gun should be comforting, not comfortable. Yeah, you get to we try to make it as comfortable it as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're a little chubby and a little bit over 40, it's not so easy to carry a gun comfortably. Believe me, unless you want to if unless you want to drop down to carrying a fanny pack. I called all of us fat. Yes. (laughs) Dan, you've carried a gun. Is it comfortable? Uh, actually, the way I've carried it actually is. Sorry. I hope it's not a fanny pack. No, no, I do not carry a fanny pack. All right, good. He carries it in his law briefcase, ladies and gentlemen. Like uh, like Biden, they carry they they follow Biden around with the football. Yeah. Dan has his paralegal carry the football around for right, him. Exactly, and it becomes a human shield. Yeah. Yes. So, Dan, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy for everybody's work. And I'm talking about everybody who's been, you know, posting on social media for years and getting involved and donating and going to Trenton. Uh, you know, we're getting beat up right now in Trenton. And Scott will cover that in detail next week. By that time, Murphy will have signed all of these. A lot of this stuff that Murphy did, I believe, was to spite us because they knew the ruling was going to yeah, come down. Exactly. But today... When I watched the press conference, I saw the defeat in Murphy's face, and I saw the anger in the superintendent's face, and I saw the defeat in the acting attorney general's face, because just as you predicted would happen, Thomas wrote something so strong, and with six justices siding with him, you know as well as I do, there's not many chinks in that armor, is there, Dan? Well, no, except that, look, ju- judges judges are very, very smart people, and they're very highly trained in writing, and they're very highly trained and experienced in thinking. And so there's no such thing as a foolproof mm. uh, uh, decision or legal rule that someone can't uh, figure out how to try to circumvent. Uh, and so it's not, it's not, there's nothing's foolproof, nothing is uh, uh, impossible to, to uh, defy, but... I am very impressed with how this opinion was constructed. It really was, Thomas really did a Herculean effort to make it as impenetrable as a person could reasonably do. Um, and he did a great job of that. I'm just, it, it's very impressive. And, you know, there's a reason why he's on the Supreme Court. But, but you know, look, like I said, nothing's foolproof, nothing's impenetrable, nothing can, nothing he can be, you know, is, is undefeatable. Uh, but it's very strong. It's very strong. And, you know, hopefully, look, we'll see the first case the first case litigated under Bruin will tell us something about, you know, what we might expect going forward. Uh, if it's in a friendly jurisdiction, 
uh, or at least with a, a more friendly judge or panel, will maybe see one thing. If it's with a very hostile jurisdiction, with a hostile judge or hostile appellate panel, we'll see other things. You know, the first the first case that goes to a hostile judge or a hostile appellate panel, that's where we're going to see what they might try to do to get around Bruin. And that will educate us on uh, going forward on how to deal with those kinds of things. We haven't seen it yet, but we will. And that we'll go to school on that. So, you know. Now there was that there was that Asian judge from the Ninth Circuit that overturned everything Trump did. He this that judge he can't overturn uh, the Bruin case, can he? This is a joke, by the way. You remember that angry judge that overturned everything everything Trump ruled on? He he overturned it. That was the funniest thing ever. So I'm just hoping that can't happen. We know it can't. So Dan, you you think you are you going to apply for your carry permit I'm when the time wait. comes in a few weeks? I'm going to wait. In a few I'm weeks, wait. you will apply. Okay. Why? I figured that. <laughs> uh, they also they also said in the press conference they have to ramp up infrastructure, the computer system and everything. And uh, while we were on a uh, break for a second, I looked, and somebody on New Jersey Gun Forum said that it looked like the page had crashed. The poor. <laughs> well, I, so. I, I, I thought that was very interesting from the uh, Superintendent of State <laughs> Police, um, that they have been anticipating this. As you know, you know we've been in conversations with uh, people uh, uh, with the, at the state, an uh, anticipation of this, uh, you know, we, we've we've, as I've said, there's been good reason to believe that the case, the decision will look something like this, and you know, we we've been anticipating it, we've been wargaming things, and we've been in conversations because the goal was to try to see if if this could be done as smoothly as possible. Um, so it is good to see that they've actually been ramping up the infrastructure, getting software in place, getting things ready to go. Because they do, they did understand that this was very likely, and uh, it is interesting that they're they're getting prepared for lots and lots of applications. Now, how, what that looks like, who knows? Um, but uh, but I, I find that a very that was a very interesting thing to hear from the superintendent. Yeah, yeah. When I heard that, I was like, wow, that's uh, this is pretty good. So uh, they know you can tell. I could see the defeat in their in their faces. I could see that they knew. You know, Murphy must have had everybody jump on this, and they all looked at it, and they went back to him and said, "Nope, it's written pretty good. There's no, there's not much we can do other than yeah, this. You know, with the with the uh, um, sensitive places and uh, whatever else they're working on." That, yeah, that was the other nice thing about the opinion, the way it was written. It was absolutely explicit about the other states. Um, he mentions the other states multiple times, and he calls yes. the laws in New Jersey and Maryland and California uh, proper cause analogs. It was absolutely clear from the decision that this was intended to be, be very plainly and directly applicable to all the other states, including New Jersey. So there's really no way around it, and they, they clearly see that. So that, that's, a good, that's a, good, very good, <laughs> a very good result there. Beautiful. Dan, I, I don't know how else to thank all everybody that's involved, you know, uh, uh, all the 2A groups and all the lawyers that have been involved in this. Dan Dan Schmutter from Hartman, Winnicky in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Dan, what, what, what does your firm specialize in besides all your 2A activism and help? The firm does a very enormous amount of estate planning. Uh, we uh, represent we represent small businesses, large businesses. Uh, we represent individuals in all sorts of uh, of uh, uh, personal and business matters. Uh, so the firm is a good. Uh, we're a small firm, but we're, we're, we do very high quality work, high level work. Um, you know, sort of at every level of need. So if individuals need uh, personal uh, uh, work, uh, wills and things like that, uh, or if they have a small business and they need a lease or a contract or 
operating agreements, things like that. Uh, we do all sorts of stuff like that. So it's a pretty broad practice, and I think we do really high-level work. So uh, people should uh, give us a call. Everybody I've referred to Dan over the years has uh, had nothing but good things to say about him and happy with his work. So continue to support those who support you. This is the point, Sandy, where I probably should be advertising my concealed carry course for not only $99. You'll be able to carry in 53 states. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are going to be people out there, like you said, who are going to be doing that. But wait, there is more. And uh, oh, yeah, 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 your, yeah. your best, um, your best mo- move from this point on is just sit, just sit and wait, like Anthony said. A week or two, three weeks. Yeah, That's right. it. Exactly. Do, do we get a Ginsu knife with that course? We do. Yeah, there's a Ginsu knife. <laughs> you get a, a special Ginsu. Set. Does yes. it slice and, a and dice and make fish fries? Absolutely. Yes, of course. <laughs> you can dice it. You can slice it. You can hit it with a hammer. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of well, young people Corey, listening, Dan, well, right now going, what are you talking no about? no idea what we're talking <laughs> exactly. about. Yeah, yeah well, at Corey Apple, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, nobody even knows what that means. Well, Corey, Go watch hey, the Honeymooners, you young bastards. <laughs> Listen, I'm done. I'm not going to read anything else. I just, Dan, I can't thank you enough. ANGRPC, NRA, et cetera, et al. Everybody out there, thank you. Bruin baby, happy birthday, Justice Thomas. Sandy, to you. <laughs> thank you, Dan, so much for being with us and giving all the insight that you have over the years. Uh, it's invaluable. Thank you, guys. Well, it looks like you've done it again uh, from here in the Carolinas and in New Jersey. Uh, looks like you've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun For Hire Radio. Gun For Hire Radio is a kind of think media production. The music used in this broadcast is managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. On behalf of our show host, master trainer, Anthony Carandro, author of Crime Proof, Think Like a Criminal and Beat Them at Their Own Game, uh, available everywhere good books are sold and at the range when he's in a good mood he might even sign it yes uh, we love you thank guys. you all <laughs> uh, God willing Jesus tarries and the batteries hold out we will see you again next week <laughs> <laughs>